Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast with me, John Phipps, and Matt Gerrard. Um, another busy week. Both Matt and I were out at games on Saturday, and uh, we'll we'll come to them later on. But first of all, how are you, Matt? I understand you were up watching the cricket overnight. Yeah, I woke up at half three. I just got on the radio, of course. It's the best medium to, to watch cricket, I find. And uh, yeah, got up and then realised that after two balls we were going to lose. So unfortunately, uh, yeah, it ended in tears. But more importantly, my foot still hurts. I know people must be interested. It's still five weeks after I kicked the skip. It's still bloody painful. So uh, there you go. That's the most important thing. So probably I couldn't sleep because my foot still whipping out. So yeah, there you go. Are you sure? There's no, you maybe you need a second opinion on these X-rays. <laughs> you you were very pleased with them at the time, but it's, it seems to me like this is not getting any better. No, it's, it doesn't seem to be no. But um, I think I'll probably I'll leave it. They said about six to eight weeks. So I'll give it till after Christmas. If I don't drop the Christmas turkey on it, I'll uh, hopefully be fit for fit for the new year, so to speak. Yeah, but it's still nagging pain. But uh, it's my own silly fault. So I, I can't blame anybody but myself. No, you can't. Anyway, um. <laughs> As well as the, the games, I'd love to tell you what else has been going on behind the scenes with the podcast this week, but uh, we'll, we'll keep that one quiet for now. But, I mean, while you may think we're just a couple of idiots who talk for about three quarters of an hour every week about non-league football this week, there's certainly been a little bit more to it. But uh, time will tell on that one. Um, anyway, we're going to have to start on, on a low note this week. Um, the FA Cup's over for Matt now as Maidstone went out, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But neither of us expected our interest in the FA Vars to end as well at the weekend, but... But it did. Beckenham, Lordswood, Sevenoaks and Whitstable Town were all in action in the competition and they all lost. It was Beckenham who were the closest to going through. They took the lead against Eastbourne Town but were pegged back. Then we took the lead in extra time but two late goals took the Sussex side through. Another Sussex side to win in Kent were Chichester who'd already knocked out Deal. They beat Whitstable. While Bracknell was a step too far for Lordswood who lost 1-0. Sevenoaks were away and they lost 3-1 to Thatcham Town. There is one Southern Counties East Football League side still going, but sadly for us anyway, Crowborough is very much in Sussex. So our interest in the FA Vars is all done and dusted. I had a look at the draw for the last 32 and I tried to be interested in it, Matt, but I just couldn't bring myself to it. What a disappointment that is. Yeah, I remember travelling back from the weekend and thought, and the guy went, I'll go for the Vars scores because I'm sure we'll get through through. And he went through it. No, lost, lost, lost. And I was driving, I think, oh, no, they've all gone out, which... Last 32, it's really disappointing. I, I, I did fancy Seven Oaks and, and Whitstable get to, to get through, but I think Chichester will seem to be one of the sides, particularly in the south, who, one of the sides who may go on quite quite long into the competition. Yeah, but absolutely gutting and gutting for the scaffold as well. Cause I think it's a, a high standard of football uh, in Kent and Sussex, and to see them all go out, particularly at this stage, not getting into the new year, is a it must be disappointing for the league and for the clubs themselves. There'll be some very disappointing managers, and I'm sure Mickey Collins was actually distraught when Seven Oaks went out. And, and some of the players as well. I mean, we've spoken before, haven't we, about, you know, the, the, these players, your Sean Welfords and everything. Such a great opportunity for them. You know, with Whitstable Town especially, they're not exactly flying in the league. They could have really had a go at it. But, that, you know, they went down to Chichester. Chichester must be a decent side. I think they beat Canterbury last year. Obviously, they've beaten Deal this season and now Whitstable. But it just... It just rankles, really, you know, that they, it could have been so so bright for, for our teams. And, you know, no one was really thinking about Wembley. You know, we, we laughed and joked about it a little bit on here, but we were doing that in September. Um, you know, but it, you don't start thinking about Wembley until you get to the last 16 or the or the last eight. But to, for them all to go on, on this weekend before Christmas was a real disappointment. Yeah, and also you think about the number of games they've had to get to the, uh, the third round as well. And you think, what a waste of those games as well to... 
Now you've gone through some sides that you should beat. You've gone through and you're getting into a little bit better sides, and that should be a bit of confidence. And when you get defeated from that, it must be a blow. And you know, some of these sides in the competition probably think, "Oh, what is the point of this competition?" Because it's taken us four games to get to the third round, and we haven't even got to the last sixteen or thirty-two, whatever it is, with us thirty-two. So yeah, really disappointed. Just well. Hopefully the scaffold now can get the league sorted out and we can see that competition and the, the fight for the title going a little bit better. But yeah, but I couldn't believe it. I don't know what odds you'd have got for all our sides to go out, but uh, I think it'll be quite hard. I was confident at least two would get through, so really disappointing. Absolutely. FA Cup then. I mean, Maidstone briefly gave us some hope of an upset when Magnus Okoangai put them in front of MK Dons. I nicked that uh, pronunciation from uh, Ben Watts, by the way, Matt, if it wasn't perfect. Very good, very good. Thank you. Um but four second-half goals took, took MK Dons through. I mean, I, I was a bit out of the loop of, of that one in the end. I, I wasn't even aware they were losing until um, I phoned up the Radio Kent switchboard and said, are Maidstone still winning? They went, no, no, they're 3-1 down. Um, but the, the start of the second half was delayed, and I understand that was due to a linesman or something uh, being injured and, and having to find a replacement. And I don't know, do, do you think that maybe unsettled Maidstone a little bit? Uh, well, reading the comments, you know, reading the reports about it, the half time didn't come at the right time for Mason because they scored and they were dominating just before half time as well. So, and of course, Jason Orders would have got his players, and players are players are players. They're used to the ten minute break or whatever it is to get back out there. Maybe they got a little bit of cold, but MK Dons, I did think it will be too much for Mason. And when you think of Kieran Agard, who scored a lot of goals at that level, coming off the bench and scoring two, showed a little bit of quickness. The goals as well left Maystone, maybe Maystone pushed a little bit forward because the goals were quite similar, long balls over the top, Agar people coming in, Lee Walgan did his best, of course, um, try and stop him, but it wasn't to be, but 1,500 Maystone fans, um, I'm sure they had a great day out, but when you get to the second round, if you're losing the first round, it's disappointing, losing in the second round, that's the, a real kick in the teeth because you can just see something over there in the third round, I see MK Don's got QPR away, which Maystone would have been a fantastic draw as well, yeah. Disappointed, but now Maystone needs to get their league form back on after two successive four-goal defeats. and scored, conceded 12 goals in three games now, so um, they need to get back on that with a busy Christmas period coming up. Yeah, you say MK Don's got QPR. I mean, Maystone will probably be du- doubly gutted because QPR are, I'm pretty sure, the worst FA Cup team in the Football League because I think it's something like 17 years since they've won a third round tie. They're, they are absolutely awful in the FA Cup, the the, the hoops. And, um, you know, Maystone could have gone there and, and their, their tails would have been up because of that historical thing against QPR. But it wasn't to be. And, and we said last week when we talked about this, you know, no one's sitting here saying Maystone have let us down. A brilliant cup run for, for them. I mean, yeah, they've they've only won two games to get to that stage. But to get through that far, to be the last Kent non-league team Flying the flag, you know, fair play to Maidstone, and it is a shame for them that, that it was a step too far. But they'll have learnt from that. They'll come back next season, you know, and they may approach a game differently if they, if they get to this level again. I suppose. Yeah, I think again, probably objectives at the start of the season is probably get to the first round, so they've got the second round. Again, Maidstone's fan base is good. Fifteen hundred, as I say, it was a good following from them from there. Yeah, they've done really well. We of course we'd like more sides in the second round if possible, but. Maidstone have done well. It's a difficult tie. I think anybody in League One is a difficult tie for a non-league side. And I think we may struggle um, getting any long non-league sides into the third round, I would have thought. Maybe Hereford probably got the best chance and they're a few level, levels below and they have got cup pedigree with that point of view. Yep. All in all, again, there may be a few regrets from, you know, if Maidstone could have hang on a little bit longer, but MK Gons are a decent side and it's a big leap up with the confidence they'll get from that. 
playing against better players and they can need to take that on. But as I said before, league is now a priority for them. Absolutely. Um, talking of leagues, we're, we're going to move on now to the National League South. Um, I was at Welling, and we'll come to that one next. But first, Dartford had a great weekend. Um, a, a trip down to Poole never looks that easy. I mean, they are in a bit of bad form and they're down the bottom of the table. Um, and Dartford took advantage down there. Richard Cho Silver's goal did it for the visitors. Tony Berman admitted after the game that they've played better, but they defended really well. Paul ended up with nine men. And as Braintree lost, Dartford are now three points clear at the top of that tight old league. And they've also strengthened their squad this week. Two really good signings. Nathan Collier is back, rejoining the club from fellow high flyers Hampton and Richmond. And they've also brought in Danny Mills on loan from Ebbsfleet, a player I know that you rate very highly, Matt. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good signing. Uh, I know Dover were keen on him before he went to Ebbsfleet in the summer. Big, strong centre-forward. Knows the National League South like the back of his hand. And We've said before that Dartford normally struggle to have that big number nine. But now with the likes of Pavey, Andy Pugh, players like that, they've got real competition up front. And I, I think if, if you give Danny Mills the service, he will score goals. And I think probably a benefit for Ebbsfleet. He'll get some match fitness, get some uh, confidence back in his game so he can go back to them as well in the second half of the season. And benefit Dartford as well. A really good signing. You know, if he's there for a couple of months, you're looking five or six goals out of him because he's an absolute handful. A really good player. Yeah, and, and well, we'll move on now to Welling. Um, where I was on Saturday, I got, got a, a latish call from Radio Kent to go up there. Um, frequent Twitter commenter Dean Sawyer is blaming me for, for Welling's defeat, and he may have a point, which I'll come on to in a minute. But boy, Welling were disappointing on Saturday. They're 1-0 down to East Arica at the break, thanks to Reese Harris's goal. Um, but in truth, it would and, and could have been a lot more if it wasn't for some superb saves from Ryan Sanford in, in the Welling goal. Um, after the break, completely different story. Welling were absolutely rampant. Um, they had a nailed-on penalty turned down. But then they had Connor Diamond sent off for two yellow cards. Within two minutes, it was 2-0. And then it was 3-0. The second two goals scored by Sam Higgins, who took them both really, really well. Both from outside the box. Uh, really useful player, Higgins. It finished 3-0 to East Thurrock United. Um, and after the game, I spoke to Welling's assistant boss, Hugo Langton. And we started by discussing that penalty call, which for me was the turning point, as it also brought Diamond's first yellow card. Yeah, of course. Uh, I thought it was a penalty um, from where I'm standing, but I'm 40 yards away from it. And I don't wish to be biased, but I, th- I thought it was. But uh, if Connor's, I don't know, if Connor's sworn at the referee, then that's poor from him. Um, I thought he barged into him, actually. I, I, he sort of came from behind and sort of went into him. Oh, like did that. he? That's I, what I, I thought happened. Yeah. Oh, well, look, I, I, I probably shouldn't comment until I see it again. <laughs> You know, he's probably just born out of frustration because Connor wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's been tremendous for us. And um, you know, he's he, he tries to lead by example, and that's why he's he's our captain. So um, I'll have another look at it. <laughs> and I suppose you know, like you say, that the two goals that, that Higgins has scored in the second half, they're, they're top class finishes. There's nothing you can do about them, is there? Well, there there is, but as a goalkeeper, there isn't. You know, I've worked with Sam before albeit fairly briefly and he had a spell with us at Bromley and um, obviously he's played against teams of mine over the years and Sam Higgins will never run past you but if you allow Sam Higgins time in and around the box get the ball out of his feet and hit it you're a dead man and uh, two tremendous strikes when he's been doing it all his career um, two home defeats in a row and you've got another home game next week against yeah. Truro a, yeah, a chance yeah. to you know I mean you say there's not a problem but a chance to maybe just get get that home win and build a little confidence yeah it's um it's it's been a bit weird lately. Um, you know, if you if you rewind the clock back when we played Willstone here, whilst they were magnificent first half, we had a real go at them second half, and on another day we get something again with ten men. 
You know, I felt uh, last week with Western, it was just a non-event full stop. It was just, I was practically falling asleep in the dugout, if I'm honest with you. No, but you know what I mean. It was, it was, a, it was a, a pretty poor game, low on quality. Uh, but today I thought it was better, but the, the scoreline would suggest different, you know. So the scoreline might suggest that we've been truly beaten. And I don't feel we've been truly beaten. Yeah, we, we deserve to lose the game because if you don't defend your box properly or if you if you uh, you give the ball away and you have a team counter-attack you, if you're not going to get back and bust your uh, cojones, <laughs> shall we say, to, to try and affect it um, or, or, or have the mentality to think, what if, what if it breaks down? What am I going to do? Sometimes that's the things that help you win games in football, You know, having that what-if mentality. I suppose you had a really good run, and now you don't want to turn this into a poor run. Absolutely not. You know, and you, you know, it's it's the, the problem is you go on a great run and everything's great, and you lose a couple of games, and it's like to a lot of people, it's the end of the world. The division's tight. There's a long, long way to go. Yes, we need work. We've got work to do. Uh, yes, we've got to spend some time on the training ground. Yes, we've got to review the game and and, and find out if there's anything that we can do to improve. Uh, but at the same time, we'll keep encouraging the players because they don't. Be, all those players that won all them games suddenly don't become bad players overnight. And um, it, you know, this, this is football. You have great moments and you have bad moments. But people tend to focus a lot more on the bad moments than the good moments, which I never, I never got. But I know that's perhaps an English mentality. Um, but it's, uh, listen, we knew this is going to be a tough month. Obviously, we've got Truro, Chelmsford, Dartford twice. I mean, they're four very 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 difficult games and um, we've just got to make sure we equip and prepare ourselves as best as we can for him um, He spoke pretty well there I thought Matt Hugo Langton um, and you know he, he remained pretty positive about everything despite you know the, the fact that they've lost at home again and, and they are struggling to get, get results at Parkview Road Yeah it's a real strange one I can't really see they're still only four points off second place or seven points off the top so it's just the, the nagging doubts in the back of their mind. If they won their last two home games or the games you saw, they could be up the table. I, I don't know what it is. He's stoic. Tristan, you mentioned about Higgins. He's one of these players who scores goals in lower level in the Devon Bostick and in the Conference South. Do you think he's never had the leap up to a different level? From that point of view, did you think he was a player? Come back to where in it that could do a job at a high level because he scores a lot of goals. Do you know what? I've, I've seen him a few times. Cause I used to be over in Essex and he, he was, he's was he been around that sort of level for, for quite a while. And I've seen him and he's always a handful. But I don't necessarily... I think this is his level. I think he's um, he's a a bigger lad, shall we say. He's, he's, he's a physical striker. Um, he, he knows where the back of the net is. But I think maybe that next level up has... I mean, you've mentioned him there, Mills. Um, scores goals for fun at, at the Conference South level can't quite make that step up and I think Higgins is probably in that sort of boat you know I think he's a real handful at that level he's going to score you 10-15 goals a season almost guaranteed but I think if you put him up that little bit higher unless he was able to you know go full-time I mean I don't know what his work circumstances are if he was able to go full-time and really work on his fitness and his sharpness, then possibly yes but I think for a, a Dover or you know another part-time team at that level I think he may find it just a bridge too far for him. Also, you're talking about Welling. Did you think, you know, they're going through goalkeepers like nobody's business this season? Another goalkeeper, Samford, come in. I don't know much about him. Do you think that's a problem at home as well with the with the goalkeeping situation? Possibly. I mean, um, Samford is on loan from Millwall and made his debut yeah. in the in the previous game. And to be honest, on uh, Saturday he was absolutely superb. Um, he was man of the match and rightly so. He made some brilliant saves in the first half. And 
it could be a bit of a problem, but then you look at the, t- the the two players who need to most be in tune with all these changing goalkeepers are the two centre-halves. And on Saturday, the two centre-halves are Jamie Coyle and Jack Parkinson, two incredibly experienced players. And, you know, they are going through these goalkeepers, but and it has been a problem for them. And I know Jamie Coyle has, has spoken about it, but if Jamie Coyle and Jack Parkinson are... are are the most experienced players in that team, and they're and they're struggling, or, or don't even think they're necessarily struggling, but they're the ones who've got to deal with this. And and if that's going to be the case, then they've got to work it out, haven't they? Yeah, it's interesting. Normally, when even when Welling struggled in the conference, they were a very good home side. And I think when they got promoted on the Jamie Day, they probably had the best home record in the league. It was a real fortress from that point of view. And it, it is a difficult place to come to to sides. Maybe they're having that sides are Welling have got quite an attacking lineup with the players they've got now. Um, from that point of view, maybe sides are picking them apart, uh, 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 you know, on the on the counter attack and, and seeing the gaps in the defence. From that point of view, I'm sure Jamie Coyle will sort it out. After 20 games, if you'd have offered him 10th place coming up to in December, you'd probably take it. But in the back of my mind, it seems maybe it could have been a little bit better. But again, once they get that running to get one home win, I'm sure the confidence will go through. And you know, they know they've got they've got Dartford twice over Christmas, so you know, they can still definitely be in the hunt if they can. Uh, just get that win at, win at home and build up the, the momentum before Christmas. Yeah, and I mean, this is my concern, though. Is it my fault, Matt? I'm not going to tell you why I'm worried <laughs> that it is. Saturday was my fourth trip to Parkview Road. And on every single occasion, the away team has scored three goals. The first one was when I went to cover Irith and Belvedere against Burnham Ramblers in my Essex Chronicle days, or the glory days, as they clearly should be known from that fixture. Um, the Essex side won 3-1. You and I both went to the FA Trophy game with Lincoln last year. Lincoln won 3-1. I was at a 3-3 draw with Concord a couple of weeks ago. And then on Saturday, a 3-0 win for East Thurrock. P- perhaps I should be banned? Well, again, if anybody officials from Welling United are coming out, they probably put a pin picture of you and mugshot up saying, wait, you're not coming in there. For that point of view, oh, there's entertainment there when you go, John. That's the most important thing. You're not seeing any nil-nils, but hopefully we'll see three goals for Welling rather than against them next time you go. Absolutely. Welling are at home again this weekend to your, your old pals Truro, which isn't a, an easy game at all because the Cornishmen have had a really good season. Um, and Dartford are at Hungerford on Saturday. And I think they'll fancy their chances in that one. Yeah, Hungerford have lost their manager in the summer, didn't they? And they're struggling in the relegation. So, yeah, again, the side that Dartford have got to be beaten if they want to win the league this season. They've got to put sides that to, to the sword, really. I'm sure Dartford, with Nathan Collier as well, um, he knows all about what Tony Berman is and he's a solid player Nathan Collier as well he won't let him down and interestingly managed to get him back I think I, I'm quite liking the strength and the quality of the Dartford squad at the moment I think they uh, do have a good chance if they can keep everybody fit to, to get moving to the National League again Yeah, Hungerford were actually the ones who sat their manager at half-time at Welling uh, that, that day if I remember rightly Um Anyway, we'll move on. There was only one game, as we said last week, for us to worry about on Saturday in the National League. The Kent derby between Bromley and Dover. Uh, Matt was at that one, doing his usual commentary duties for Radio Kent. And at halftime, we were exchanging messages on Twitter, which is our uh, number one mode of communication podcast fact fans. And Matt was convinced it was about to get pretty ugly for his side. But the Whites hit back and earned a point. We've got plenty of reaction from this one. And we'll start by hearing from Bromley skipper, defender slash striker Jack Holland. It feels like a, a defeat, I suppose, because in the last minute goal. Yes, honestly, the uh, feeling the change right now is, is, is very, uh, very low. I thought, you know, tuning up at half time, not to rest on our laurels, um, and it's just one of them things, you know, especially to concede that late on is, is horrible feeling. But 
you know, we, we part it to the side now and, and we focus on next week in Eastleigh. Yeah, you thought you were a dominant side in the first half, a lot better side. Um, you controlled the game, so I, I couldn't, you know, I went in at half time thinking there was only one side going to win this. So, how frustrating that must be for the team. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's devastating. Uh, I thought, you know, the first half performance to a man was unbelievable. I thought everyone out there put a shift in. And to concede the two goals the way that we did. Um, honestly, it's is, is horrible for anyone. And as, a, as, a, as, a, as a defender as well, it, it, it's worse. But it's just one of them things in the game. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll look at the things we didn't do right. We'll look at the things we did do right, and we'll take it on. Well, you said a defender, but you were playing up top today. We, 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 do you love playing up top? <laughs> I don't actually mind it, uh, to be totally honest. I know uh, I've done it a few times now, and the, and the gaffer, you know, trusts me up there, and I, I try and just give it everything I can. Um, but you know, I've got a few pointers from Ben May as well, so I'm, I'm good hands. Do you use your, your experience as a defender to work as you as a strikeout? What you think what the defender would do at certain points? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I know what I don't like to play against, and I try and bring that out when I play up front, and it's. I just try and honestly be as horrible as I can and make the runs that the defenders don't like. So you know, that's what I try and do, and I hopefully do it well. well you got a goal today as well? Yeah, you know it's always always good from set piece as well. We're working on them. That's, some, that's the, one of the main things we want more set piece goals. Um, great ball from uh, Frankie Raymond for that. But you know, it's, I want more. I'm hungry for more, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad about the goal. Overall, halfway point in the season now for Bromley. Yeah. Are you pleased where you are? You think you better than expectations? Um, yeah, I think a lot of people didn't think we'd be up there, and that was always the case with us. But as a squad, and from the from the start of the season, we knew what we were, we were capable of, and I think there's a lot, lot more to come from us, and we'll see that in the, the later part of the, state, uh, the year. You've played nearly every side now, apart from Vebs League, because uh, you're playing both over Christmas. What do you think the standard of the league like this year? Is there a standout side? Um, the standout. Do you know what I think? Every this, is, this year has been so crazy, as in everyone's beating everyone. And it, it, I think it's going to come down to who's the more consistent team. And I think anyone in the top seven now has got a shout. So, you know, we need to be more consistent, get the points on the board and see where we are uh, later on in the year. Devastated, he said in there. And I guess that sums it up for Bromley, Matt. A, a real game of two halves. Yeah, yeah. I said to you, I texted you at half-time saying you know, Dover were absolutely shocking in the first half. Uh, and I, I thought it was the worst I've seen players off the pace, Bromley. Had some good players, particularly Holland, who's a very good player, very good utility player, good in defence, good in attack. Um, and they were picking Dover at will. Um, two poor goals that they were conceded, and I couldn't see him getting back into it. And fair play to Chris Kinnear, who's not renowned for making half-time substitutions. He, he made two substitutions, changed, tinkered with the formation a bit. They went for four at the back, then they went back to the three, put Galifuco to wing back, and it was a complete change, really. Um, they were dominated, Brundle, who is a good player for Dover and a good leader in the middle of the park, got a good goal back. And Dover had a numerous chances to equalise. And then Bromley had a bit of effort, so um, came back into the game. And then Dover got a last-minute equaliser. From, from a Bromley point of view, I don't think they knew whether to stick or twist, really, because they had Dover in the palm of their hands at half-time. And you would have thought, Neil Smith, and he did mention um, in his interview, saying, oh, we don't need to score four or five, we just need to keep a clean sheet. And I thought... Once they were, I think they were rocked by Dover's substitution. When Jeffrey came on, he gave them some much-needed pace down the flanks, which Dover didn't have at all, and he was a threat. And he just sat back and sat back and thought to do it. And, and eventually, set piece, ball lumped into the penalty area. Header came in, and Kane Richards yard out. Even I would have scored this one, nodded it in, but he had to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, for Bromley point of view, they played really well in the first half. And 
Jacqueline was absolutely gutted, as you could hear from that interview. They know, you know, they could, could have had two home games in the week, all the shot against, all the shot on Tuesday and Dover on Saturday, and then he picked up one point. And from the reports that I got from the Aldershot game as well, that maybe should at least put, put up a point there as well. So they missed out on four points with equipment to the right end of the table. Yeah, but Dover got away with it. Maybe that could be the kick up of the teeth that Dover needed because for, for two and a half games, Dover have been really poor, very like below the levels they were um, the first 20 games of the season, which I saw. And I, but they turned it around and then played Chris Kinnear for, for seeing that and making the substitutions because at half-time, I thought game was over. Obviously, we'll hear some more reaction from both of the managers. Firstly, we're going to hear from Chris Kinnear, and then we're going to hear from Bromley manager Neil Smith as well. Gave him two halves, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think they caught us twice on the break, didn't they? Or the first one on the break. Uh, and I think second half, we gave it a go. Shows you the spirit within the bunch, even though we've got these few injuries at the moment. And, uh, and could have won at the end. It'll be interesting to see what happened at the very end, whether he was offside or not. Yeah, from my personal point of view, at half time, I, you know, I thought the game was over. You made some tactical changes, and they worked in your favour. I thought you looked a much more dangerous side in the second half. Yeah, we we were disappointed as a side, really, that we we didn't play as well as we expected to play. It's not easy on here as well against them as well. Uh, they they hit you on the break. We're pushing forward, and they're they're, they're trying to get behind us, which is uh, their prerogative. Um, we've got to deal with that. But second half, uh, we gave it a real good go and uh, could have won it. What do you say? To them at half time because I think probably one of your worst performances of the season I thought first half uh, for, well well, I don't know well in saying that we had a few good chances didn't we that smashed it over the bar uh, I wouldn't say it was one of the worst performances um if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Uh, no, you know, they're disappointed. They're, you know, they're a lot of young lads with a lot of ability um, that are hoping to go somewhere. Uh, and at the end of the day, they weren't doing as well as they can do. But that happens sometimes. But today, I thought, uh, second half just shows you the spirit they got within them. And they didn't feel sorry for themselves. Alongside me, Bromley manager Neil Smith. I presume that feels like a defeat, that. Yeah, it does. I thought first half we were, you know, really, really good. Passing it around, the goals were, were, were good goals. Thoroughly deserved. Um, the second half, we knew what was going to come. It was going to be very direct. It was going to be put in the box. We just got to defend it better. Um, and we defended so well in the first half. But the second half, you know, last last minute and let it go in like that. We shouldn't have given the free kick away. And once it goes in, it's in the box. It's a free throw. And we just watched it on the video. Are you saying it was a foul? The keeper thought it was a foul? Yeah. Look, they did it in the first half. It's only what they did in the second half. We obviously didn't get the decision, but we should have done better on, you know, preventing the free kick at the, at the time. But uh, yes, yeah, so very disappointing. But you know, we look at the first half, and that was us, you know, defending well and then passing it around. You know, and as I say, the first goal was was fantastic. But you just can't defend like that uh, with a minute to go. Yeah, I think the positive of the first half, you much a better side. I came in at half time thinking there's only one winner in this. And what do you say to the guys at half time? Because I thought, you know, to fifth. Minutes uh, before half time, you're dominant, you deserve those two goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you know, what we said is don't think you can just go out there and do it again. You've got to go and earn the right. These ain't going to give it up. You know, I know Chris's teams, they won't. Um, and, and again, we could have prevented the first goal. And I think as soon as they got the first one, there was a little bit of panic in our eyes. Obviously, the tails were up for Dover, and we've, we just got to defend it better. We just, it's the man management of a game. You know, we've had teams come here, score a goal, and just just defend it. And we, we don't. We're still going for the three, four, five, and six. So, 
you know, we've got to work on that, but we're a young... Is that sort of stick or twist sort of situation? Yeah. Because I thought you got, they got into it, that ascendancy, then you got into it again. And you, it, it, stick it, or it, twist. it was the first goal. It was, it was the, you know, if, if we don't concede after 20, 25 minutes and you, you think you've won the game. Um, but when they scored, it was a great finish by Brundle. It, you know, as I say, it was still enough time for them to think they could get back in. And we've just got to make sure that we, uh, you know, we see games out and we haven't done it well enough tonight um, as, as well as we played. And there was some fantastic stuff. Um, it's not good enough. What's the dressing room look in there? I presume that the players have come out, they're warmed down, they look a little bit down. Yeah, they're disappointed because it was in our hands. You know, we've just got to keep a clean sheet. We don't have to go and score 3-4. Um, but they're disappointed but you know we've got to lift them up we've got Eastley next week and we've got to make sure that we um, you know we learn we're learning every week we've got a very young side you know the 90, he's a 19 year old right back Ben Winter you know he's been captain of Crystal Palace under 23s but that's nothing like what you get here you know you're playing against a very very strong Dover side who have been top of the league one of the favourites to get up there around it and we've just you know the first 45 minutes it was, it was everything we've asked for but we've got to make sure we do that in both halves you're halfway through the season now 23 games gone are you happy with how many points you got what mark out of 10 would you give yourself well, I'll probably no, give a 7 I, 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 thought, I thought really you know before the season started I think, I think one of the one paper had us down as the you know bottom 5 come halfway through come Christmas and for us to be in the, I think we're in the top 7 just outside you know or just inside the playoffs I think it's a massive achievement for a very young and um, inexperienced squad in respect of you know getting to know each other so I'm happy in that respect but just disappointed tonight because I think we could have had two more points and we should have um, to actually push us up further up the league. It's a busy time December as well. Do you think the league is so tight up there? Is it eventually going to start spreading out because it looks like it does and it all comes back in well, again? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. You know, you're waiting for a team to sort of grab it and they don't. Um, you know, Dover have been top. Sutton have been top, top, Wrexham have been top. There's been so many that no one's willing to just take it on to the next stage. So while they're doing that, we're, we're going to try and grab onto the coattails of them and stay within them. You know, we'd love to be in the playoffs come the end of the season, but our full, first and foremost was to get as many points on the board by Christmas to make sure that we're going to be safe. Well, as soon as we get to that mark, then we'll see where we're at. I love Chris Kinnear, Matt, because you know him so well, but he doesn't want to give you anything there, does he? You say to, you say to him, that's the worst stuff I've seen you play this season, and he always comes back with it. I, I love that as a journalist. When you when you interview a manager after the game, and you can and you you watch the game, they know how many ga- t- times you've seen them play, and you say to them, you know, I didn't think that was your best work, and they always come back every single time and say, well, actually, I think you're wrong. And Chris Kinnear is a prime example there, isn't he? Yeah, right. You know what you're going to get from Chris Kinnear. He never digs out anybody. Um, in the dressing room, I know he digs the players out, but you will never do it in, in public. Sometimes I think maybe you should give them a, a kick up the backside, but he, from all his time I've been dealing with him for numerous years, he will never criticise his players. And, and from last season, when you look at the Ricky Miller effect, when they were scoring goals after goals, and we picked up Ricky Miller, when you said, oh, great hat-trick again for Miller, he always says, oh, it's a team performance. So... His man management skills at that point of view, he digs players out of the change room, but he's very supportive of his players in um, in the press. When you compare that to someone like David Moore, who's just on a higher end of the league with West Ham, he's got in there and criticised the players from day one. So Chris Kinnear probably knows how players work. David Moore is maybe what thinks the players would react to that. So it's interesting how he works. His man manager, but you can't get much out of him. He plays a very straight bat. And he knows how the media works. He's been doing this for 32 years. So... Uh, uh, maybe in his early days he was a bit more um, forthcoming but lovely man and uh, yeah I thought they played poorly but of course nothing gets past him 
No. And Neil Smith there. I mean, I've got to admit, I was in such a welling bubble on Saturday that I completely lost track of all the other scores. And the first I knew that David actually got a point was when I was listening to the radio on the way home. And I also heard myself on the radio, which was a little bit uh, unnerving, I must admit. And, and then I heard you interview Neil Smith and I was there was me thinking Neil Smith's going to be like all chipper and he's, and he's very down in the dumps. And, you know, you, you said earlier the two home games have only got one point. It's disappointing for them, but he's got to pick them back up, hasn't he? Yeah, but I, I think there's enough in that Bromley squad that easily could be top 10, maybe push for the playoffs. Got some very good um, players. Louis Dennis, very good player. Jack Holland, very good leader. And, you, and, uh, and, and I've got more respect for him, how disappointed he was at the final whistle, that he knows what, what a good squad he's in and how he wants to, to push on as well. Yeah, Neil Smith, top, top guy again. I think the trophy could be a big priority for Bromley. I think they can see that as a competition that they could get through. Playoffs. I think they can be top 10. Can they push, push themselves into the playoffs? I don't know. Um, it's going to get, it's got to get tighter in that league. I can say it every week. Sometimes somebody's going to spread out with it, but it's still very, very tight at the top. So I, I think Bromley could be top 10. I think they may miss out in the playoffs, but the trophy, if they've got the good draw, they've got Farnborough away in the next round, so they've got a decent draw in the first round, they could be a priority there. But I'm, I think Neil Smith's building a very good squad and he carries on there. Probably a good club off the field as well with the 3G. I can only see them going in one direction under Neil Smith. Yeah, sorry to correct there, but Farnborough actually lost that rearranged game. So they've actually got Hartley Whitney. Um, yeah, so who are a very, very small team. So Bromley will be very confident there, but that, that is a banana skin and we'll no doubt discuss that next week. Um, because before that, this weekend, it's the reverse fixes from the opening day of the season. Um, as we've already heard, Bromley play Eastley. It's Ebbsfleet against Guiseley, Maidstone are off to Maidenhead. And Dover at home to Hartlepool. And you said on the opening day it was probably a good time to play Hartlepool. It was. Dover won that one. But to be honest, it hasn't really got any tougher to play them. And, and Whites will want to win a, a home win before Christmas to boost them. Yeah, I think it's... Well, I see Hartlepool three defeats out of four. Considered two late goals to Macclesfield at the weekend as well, which is a bit of a blip. And if you read in between the lines on the forums and there, he's under a bit of pressure there, the manager Craig Harrison. So I think they expect to do a little bit better. They're not getting any consistency... Um, from that point of view, and they're losing to start, they're beating the sides around them, but the sides at the top of the table they're struggling to get results against. So Dover uh, disappointing home defeat against Fylde last home game. It's with with the trophy coming, then they've got to go to, away at um, Wrexham just before Christmas with no wins in three is in the league yet, four in the league. They need to get something in the Hartlepool game, and it's a good test. And it'll be interesting to see if Dover get players back. Does Chris Kinnear give face to the guys that rescued the point in the final ninety in the final? 45 minutes on Saturday. Yeah, and before we move on from Dover, I know it's not a competition that is a priority for, for you, Matt, anyway, but um, 6-0 defeat to folks in victory in the Kent Senior Cup on Monday. That is a shocking result. I know it wasn't a full Dover team by any stretch of the imagination, um, but if they'd gone down 1-2-0, or two nil, perhaps, different thing. But to lose six goals to a team, what, two leagues below them. And, I mean, James Alabi, who we discussed last week, He's in that team. That can't have done his confidence, which we already think maybe a bit on the fragile side, any good whatsoever, can it? No, no. no. Was, again, they had a lot of academy players in, and maybe that the academy play is a big leap up. But they did have some experience in a lobby. He probably needed to show Chris Kinnear because he wasn't used from the bench on Saturday what he could do. So, again, probably shows the, the, the lack of strength Dover have got. Maystone, oh, sorry, Folkestone have got some good players from that point of view. For me personally, it's not the end of the world to go out the Kent Senior Cup and concentrate on more important matters. But and I think and I think some of the Dover fans were moaning that they had charged ten pounds to get in. 
but they did tweet that it was going to be full of academy players. So it's just one of those things, but maybe shows the leap between academy players and uh, higher-end players is quite high. It, it would be too much of a leap if you're 18-year-old going to play against real men in the uh, in, who play you know, levels higher up. Um, elsewhere in the Kentia Trophy, I think it's Bromley Margate next week and the Maidstone Gillingham game has been postponed again because Gillingham are, have got an FA Cup replay next week when it was supposed to be. And I'm racking my brain sat in here and I can't even remember what the other quarterfinal tie is, but we'll worry about that. We'll move on to the uh, Boston Premier League now then. And we've got to start with Tunbridge Angels this week. Um, on the pitch, it was a mixed week. Home defeat to Merston on Saturday, followed by a 3-2 win at Dorking Wanderers on Tuesday night. But the big and, and sad news, really, from Tunbridge Angels this week is that Chairman Steve Church has had to stand down. Um, Steve's been the chairman there since 2009. He guided the club to three years in the Conference South. Um, he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer and it goes without saying that we wish him all the best as he prepares to undergo treatment. Um, he's one of the good guys, Matt, Steve Churchill. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I knew Nick Sullivan better, the former Tunbridge chairman, but he came in when Nick left and you know, he brought a good club and they're a good club, Tunbridge, and he's always supporting the team. I think he's a supporter and Worked his way up through the board. Very friendly man. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, his health issues can go away. But the most important thing is that uh, I make sure he gets better. And I'm sure he'll be delighted with the result on uh, Tuesday when coming back 2-0 down. They needed that, Angels, as well, after a, the defeat of the weekend. Very, again, very inconsistent. They need to go on a few a few run of results a little bit. And maybe that took the pressure off Steve McKim a little bit. Maybe, uh, I think he had an issue with a fan at the weekend as well um, after the game. So, yeah, I think underachieving but maybe that game we say every week about the Angels maybe that's the game that can kickstart them but uh, hopefully that definitely will be the case Yeah I mean they're still ninth time of Angels so it's not hardly the end of the world but um, Saturday was a bit of a disappointing day in the, in the Boston Premier really because Margate drew one all at Burgess Hill and by all accounts that I read on social media they were terrible Margate um, they were better on Tuesday night much much better but unfortunately they went out of the FA Trophy on penalties against Bath City Um I was actually watching the shootout on Twitter, just like I used to watch the scores on CFAX when I was a kid, um, while preparing for this. And I, and I was pretty gutted when Gate lost. Franny Collin and Ben Swift were the unlucky men to miss from the spot. The game kicked off almost 45 minutes late as well, after the visitors got stuck in traffic after a nasty crash on the M2. Didn't finish till gone 11 o'clock. Um, Bath apparently scored two stunning goals, but although they've lost, Gate can take so much from that one, can't they? Yeah, I, I think... The respect they're getting. Again, it's a crazy game there. The Bath players must have got back really late. It shows they're in the right direction. But Bath are a good, solid National League South side. They've gone there and got a draw. So it's to be a cracking game from that point. If you lose the penalties, is a real a kick out. So ben Swift, I think, missed the penalty to do it. But they have to bounce back, Margate. Again, I think they can get in the playoffs if they get the get the games back running, Get make sure they start playing some league action. Disappointed, but I think... More pluses than the minuses in their trophy game against Bath, and I think it seems to be a bit more um, happiness around the club when you speak to some of the supporters and you see their their posts on social media. They're quite happy with which way the club's going, which is which is good to see because this time last year they couldn't buy a point or buy a goal. So Christmas may be a little bit happier time for Margate fans this year. Yeah, there's an odd bit of needle between Bath and and Margate. I don't really understand it massively. Um, I was at Bath a couple of years ago when. Margate almost were relegated and ended up keeping the ball in the corner. And I think that day the, the Bath manager was maybe a bit verbal about Margate's tactics towards the end when they were just desperately trying not to concede again. Um, I think that sort of carried on a little bit into last season. And then um, there were some very odd things going on in the first game as well with a with an online commentary thing. 
Um, and then last night, I, I really don't know what's happened, but Alistair Bayliss put a tweet out saying that he thought um, Steve Watt kept his dignity or something. And um, there was a Bath fan who's on social media. I'm not going to repeat the words he used because I think I'd have to tick a different box when I publish the podcast. Um, but he wasn't very complimentary about Steve Watt um, on Twitter. And I think he called him a disgrace to the club. And Steve Watt, bless him, replied with one of my favourite tweets ever when he just went, yeah, thanks very much. Um, all the best in, in the next round and for the rest of the season. So. I don't really know what's gone on there, but, you know, fair play to Bath, because that is a nightmare journey to get down there. They won't have got back until three, four o'clock in the morning, maybe. Um, and, you know, fair play to them. And, and funny enough, it actually brought back some memories for me, because it was, I think it was two years ago this week, I was at a Ramsgate game and I turned up, I think they were playing Burgess Hill, the top of my head. And um, I turned up there, maybe it was three years ago, actually, it was when Ramsgate were really, uh, were really struggling. Um, and I turned up there and there'd been a similar incident on the M2. The game didn't start till 8.45 and it came up in my time up the other day and I, and I was having bad memories about that. And then I read about the, the Bath game and I was like, oh, same again. So, you know, it is difficult when you're down in, the, in those outposts and teams have got to go down there. It's difficult for them if they get stuck like that. So, you know, begrudgingly, you've got to say fair play to Bath. They may not have deserved it, but they dug in there and, and got the result and, and they've gone through now. Yeah, maybe I you thought when they were losing at half time the bar for manager said we don't want to they score a few quick goals and there, we don't want to be staying here late because the thing of course it went the latest it possibly could. It must have been finished at eleven o'clock, was it last night? Yeah. So just one of those it's just one of those things. It shows shows what um, good character they've got in the side and I said before they went for a good couple good run a couple of years ago, Bath and always a good side in the bar in the trophy. So uh, yeah. But again, good well done for Margate for the positives that's coming out of the club and I think that's their I think they've got a good unbeaten run since they lost to Leatherhead as well. Lost for a while, so they're building momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, folks who went down 2-1 at Wingate and Finchley on Saturday, but still fourth in the table. Uh, they host Harrow Borough on Saturday. Margate are at home to Hendon, a game which, which I once saw finish 4-4 at Hartsdown Park. And Tom and James go to struggling Worthing, and the Sussex side then travel to Folkestone on Tuesday night. Uh, in the South Division, we've got to mention Ashford, who ripped up the former on Saturday to beat Thamesmead Town 4-1. Max Waters grabbed a hat-trick for the nuts and bolts. And with new faces coming in, are Ashford finally starting to look in the right direction this season? Yeah, they've brought in quality players from higher standards, so maybe there's some money gone in. Ira Jackson, who I know quite well, because he did a bit of co-commentary with me last season, very confident man. He came in, Ashford, he scored again. He went to Leatherhead, didn't really work out for him. You know, if he can play how well, how confident he is, I think that they've got a player on the hand. Back, back to his name I haven't come across before, but they needed that win. And I think Paul Barnes' contacts got McIntaggart in goal as well, so he's a decent goalkeeper at that level. Maybe the dip that they had at the start of the season with the money issues with, with Danny Lai going, that uh, maybe they're maybe they're on the on the up a little bit. But again, it's just about building for this season, for this season, a bit of momentum and uh, get as high as up the table. Yeah, elsewhere on Saturday, Ramsgate left it late to come from behind and beat Herne Bay 2-1. Uh, Roy Smith and Billy Lewins net in the, in the last six minutes. Well, Hyde went 2-1 up in stoppage time against Hastings, but were pegged back by an even later goal. Um, Sissingbourne won at East Grinton on Saturday, but then went down 3-0 at Walton Casuals on Tuesday night. Um, Phoenix beat Horsham 1-0. Favisham drew at Whiteleaf after conceding a last-minute goal. Cray also drew 1-1 at Carl Shorten. And VCD lost 4-2 at Guernsey. Um, there's a couple of games on Wednesday night after we've recorded this. And this weekend, of course, there's even more games, including Herne Bay against Phoenix and Cray against Hyde, which has free entry for everyone. Um, so from 12 o'clock, Wanderers will be showing off the plans for their new stadium. Youngsters are getting the chance to play on the pitch before the game. And then the match will take place. Um, Cray will start home on Wednesday night against Sittingbourne for what should probably be deemed round two after that almighty dust-up I saw a couple of months back. 
Tim, but they'll have a midweek game, don't they? <laughs> every, <laughs> every week. Every week. Every week. Let's have a look at now. 21, they still play the same. They, surely, they must be on nearly 40 games a season. <sighs> Crazy amount of games they've been playing. Absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it really is. Um, Actually, talking of that uh, that dust-up, and before we leave the Bossett League, on Tuesday night, there were two games abandoned in the Bossett League. In the Premier, Burgess Hill against Harlow was called off after 11 minutes due to floodlight failure. What a trip that is for Harlow to make not once, but twice on a Tuesday night. And in the North Division, Haybridge Swifts against Haringey Borough was called off in the 93rd minute due to a mass brawl, um, which is something that you never really want to see, but it always uh, makes me chuckle. Um, and finally, we have a very... so what does that mean? What does that mean? Called... Is it abandoned? Is it? A, 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 allegedly, it was abandoned. So I saw a match abandoned, and I was like, "That's a bit odd." So I sort of delved into it a little bit. And um, Haringey just tweeted out last night saying, "Well, the game was abandoned the ninety-third minute due to a mass brawl." And I don't really um, see how much longer there will have been left in that. So I'd imagine that one will finish nil-nil. But there was also another game in the in the Southern League somewhere, and I can't remember who was involved. It was Salisbury and someone. Um, that was abandoned just before half time with Salisbury 3 0 up because there was a mass punch up. So, you know, they're, they're, it, it's. Larry to get involved, was he there? He's managed with Salisbury now. Yeah, he, his, his picture was on the article I read. It was on the non league paper. So, um, that's one for you to look out if, if you're listening and you've not already heard about that one. Um, but yeah, it seems to be a, a funny season for plenty of uh, big fights like that. So, anyway, finally, I, I love very... a bit of niggle. I love a bit of niggle. Good. Get on, go on there. Get in there. Show a bit of. Um... Fight, that's what I say. Yeah, they don't have they don't have brawls like they used to anymore, do they? <laughs> no, no. It's all a bit sanitised football now. It certainly is. Um, finally, a very quick squiz at the, at the Southern Counties East Football League. Um, Tunbridge Wells gave free entry in their game with Beckenham on Tuesday, um, but it was the visitors who won that one 2 1. Uh, Whitswell came from 2 0 down to draw it home to Erith to Town on Tuesday night. On Saturday, there were plenty of goals about. Um, in seven games, only one team, Canterbury, failed to score. There were a total of 31 goals scored, including a 4-3 thriller between Irithtown and Beersted, won a minute from time by, for the home side by, by Jim Day's goal. Um, this weekend, there's a full programme of scaffold fixtures. I feel we should have some sort of fanfare when that happens. Um, leaders Seven Oaks go to rock bottom Hel- Hollands and Blair, whose new manager Clint Gooding didn't really have a very good start on Saturday as his side lost 5-1 at home to Cray Valley. And, and Hollands and Blair, I think... You know, they've probably been punching above their weight for a couple of years now. And this year, two points so far. Not looking too good for them, is it? No, it's not. Again, they've scored scored 16 goals, which is not bad. And they can see that they're not getting heavily beaten, I don't think, from that point of view. You look at some of the other sides. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Maybe they've just reached the level. Maybe players have got onto a better standard. The side looking at them, I'm looking in there. Tunbridge Wells, 18th position. It's been an absolutely shocking season for them. they need to sort that out. And the thing is, they've lost a lot of games at home and they've only played uh, behind, you know, two-thirds of their games have been actually at home, so they've got to travel as well. So they need really to sort that out. It's, it's a funny one, Tunbridge Wells. I mean, I, I, I obviously used to work in an office in Tunbridge Wells. I never specifically covered Tunbridge Wells, but they were always a big club with, with good ambitions and, and moving in the right direction. And ever since a couple of years ago, when they, they, they it's just all gone wrong for them. I, I think they made the wrong managerial appointment. They brought in a chap called uh, Keith Bird. Um, it was after a bit of a, a farcical turn of events, really, because they offered the job to uh, Mike Mayer, who'd been at Redhill, and he then accepted it, if I remember rightly, and then didn't accept it. It didn't go off, and it all went wrong. And then they employed this Keith Bird fella, who um, promptly went to America for the first six weeks of the season. And I genuinely don't think they've recovered from that. I remember speaking to Keith Bird. Um, I was covering for, for Glenn, who was on holiday, and speaking to him, saying, you know, has that had any effect? He was like, 
no, I've been getting reports and stuff, so it's, it's okay. But I don't think as a club, Tom Rejoice have recovered from making that decision. And I guess it just shows that sometimes you make one bad call and it all can go wrong. Yeah, I think, you know, they still had a good game at 200 odd yesterday against Beckenham. So they are a well supported club. Yeah, just, you know, they've had, they've had the, um, the highs, I suppose, when you look at it, of getting to Wembley. And of course, does it, for a club like that, does it get any better from that point of view? And maybe the motivation can lack for, from some of the players from that point of view. But they've just got to turn it around because they shouldn't be where they are in the league at the moment. Well, I think the thing as well is Tunbridge Wells have got the potential. You know, they could, you look at clubs like Dorking Wanderers, who've now gone straight through into the, into the Bostick Premier, but they're no, they're, they're not a bigger club than Tunbridge Wells. Tunbridge Wells just need to, it's the old thing of getting out of the scaffold and making sure that you can build on it. And Tunbridge Wells just seem to have completely stagnated. And, and it's just, it's such a shame to see because, you know, yeah, it was free entry, but 200 people on a Tuesday night in December is no mean feat. Um, I saw them early in the season at Sheppey and the Vars and they're well supported there. And you just kind of think that, you know, they, they deserve better. You know, they've got Jack Harris there, who's a very good player. And they've got some, you look at their squad, it's a good squad, but for some reason it's just not clicking and, and they've got to be worried. Oh, I, I really think they, they should, it's been a real disappointing start of the season. Maybe look at it again, look at the players, just work it out. It may be a game of run of league games again, they've probably gone out of the competition, just get some momentum. I keep saying that's the key word today in the pod, momentum, momentum. Just get some results and you can move on from there. Looking at some of the other scores, though, Cray Valley, Joe and Guess and Kevin Lisby scoring for Cray Valley PM. PM. That, that's an old, that's a football manager strike force. I've ever seen one. That's <laughs> there. Guess and Lisby scoring goals from there as they won five one at Holland to play. So you do see some good names in there. And I see Harry Ottaway scored for Beckham against Tunbridge, and he played for Dover for six months. And I really liked him. He didn't score many goals, but he was, a, he was a real willing runner and he suffered a bad broken leg and it's good to see that he's coming back because I really thought he was a decent player and Derek Duncan as well playing for Glebe the old uh, Ipswich Cambridge man so you know people may say that the scaffolds and I think but some good old players who played at that level yeah I remember Otway from Dulwich and uh, always handy um, anyway all of the fixtures that we haven't mentioned can be found on the various league websites so have a look where your local team's playing on the uh, Isthmian League website or on the scaffold website. I mean, to be honest, we're well into Christmas shopping season now and traditionally, sometimes the crowds can go down. But for me, it sounds like a better idea to to get out and, and say to the uh, the boss indoors, oh, you, you know what, love? I think I'm going to give this a miss today. I'm going to go to the football. So I'm guessing Saturday you're at Dover, Matt. Yeah, against Hartlepool. So it should be a, a game. I think both sides need to need to win that game. So hopefully uh, the, the, the Kent side can come through Dover. It'll be interesting to see what side Chris Kinnear picks from that point of view. Maybe if that about forty-five minutes wasn't was the turning point of the season, or just a, a lucky one, and they go back into that poor performance, it'd be interesting to see that one. Should be a good game. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure what I'm going to do myself this weekend. There's, there's plenty of tempting games. I mean, my, my plans can change very quickly as they did last week. But um, at the moment, sitting here at the moment, I, I kind of fancy Cray against Hyde. Free entry should be a decent crowd. Have a look at the at the plans of the stadium, and there's, there are two clubs who've not actually had voices on the podcast from yet. So if I can, if I can, that, that may well be where I head on Saturday. Yeah, again, it'd be interesting to see what Cray, that, that stadium has, issue has been going on for numerous years from that point of view, letting people in. Again, that's the future of Cray is if they get their new ground and if they can do that, they can they become back, you know, you know they've played Bostick Premier before, they can go get to those levels. And what will it do for the community, which is the most important thing as well? 
Absolutely. Well, that's about it for, for from us for this week. And um, thanks as always for listening. Thanks to everyone who we've spoken to. Um, as always, feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter um, at Kent NL Podcast, on Facebook at Kent Non League, or drop us a line at John Phipps eighty one at Outlook dot com. Um, another busy week again. Um, the midweek fixtures are drying up a little bit, which which is quite nice. But um, I'm sure there'll still be plenty for us to chat about when we, when we get to the next week. But as always, thanks for listening and we shall see you all next week.